open up to Luke, the seventh chapter. That's where we're going to spend most of our time together today. We have a wonderful crowd here, several of our own who are here. We really appreciate our Rolling Hills family. We appreciate all of the guests who are visiting with us today. We have several. You all are truly our honored guests. We're going to get started here in Luke, the seventh chapter. Her spirit was saturated with sadness as she saw her son, her only son, stretched out on a bier, lifeless and still. She wept as she thought about her son who was dead. She wept as she thought about her husband who had died. And she wept as she considered her current situation. No husband, no son, no family, and absolutely no support. Absolutely zero hope. This woman was living in a society that could not care for widows. And now she, a woman who had no husband, no son, no family to support her, she would have been better off dead. But when it seemed as if all hope was lost, There was a man by the name of Jesus who passed a cemetery and he was walking into the city as her son was being carried out of the city and was headed towards the cemetery. This woman, nor the crowd that she was with, would have ever imagined what would happen next. Jesus Christ, the suffering servant, would see this weeping widow and he would change her life forever. In Luke chapter 7, just after Jesus heals a centurion's servant, the Bible says in verse number 11, soon afterward he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. Verse 13, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. This woman's life was about to change forever because Jesus saw her. He and his disciples are entering into the city. It is a great crowd who is following Jesus. As they are entering into the city, a considerable crowd is exiting the city. A man has died. There is weeping, there is wailing, there is lamenting, there is all of this commotion and all of this noise. And in the midst of all of this, Jesus sees one person. He sees one woman. He sees the woman whose husband had died. He sees the woman whose son had just died. He sees the woman who likely wished that she was dead. In this moment, the man of sorrows saw this weeping widow and her life would soon change forever. But not only that, not only did Jesus see this woman in her moment of desperation, he sympathized with her. The text says that Jesus entered into the city and he saw the woman and he had compassion for her. He didn't merely look at her. He didn't just pass by her. He looked at her and he had 
sympathy for her. He felt her sorrow. He felt her grief. He felt her pain. He saw her tears. And he sympathized with her. He sees this woman who, who, is, who is weeping and who is distressed. And, and the man of sorrows experienced that same type of sadness. He experienced that same type of sorrow. He experienced that same type of grief because he was very, very familiar and acquainted with it as the prophet Isaiah tells us centuries ago in Isaiah chapter 53. He sees this woman, he sympathizes with her, and he speaks to her, and her life was forever changed. In Luke chapter 7 and starting in verse number 11, repetition is the father of learning. The text says, soon afterward he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, he said to her, he spoke to her, and he said, Do not weep. He didn't just look at her. He didn't just feel her pain. He said something to her. Don't weep. Can you imagine how she must have felt? Can you imagine how she must have felt as she hears those words roll off of her Savior's tongue? Her husband has been dead for who knows how long. Her son has just died. She recognizes that the society that she is living in cannot care for her. She would be better off dead. She's weeping. She's wailing. The closest person to to her in her life at this point has died. And then you have this man, this man who she does not even know, say to her, do not weep. Can you imagine how she felt in that? Can you imagine the the, the emotions that are resonating within her? Who are you? Why are you even here? Are you out of your mind? How could you be so unsympathetic? How could you be so insensitive? Do not weep, Jesus says. Friends, Jesus was able to make such a statement in this woman's moment of sadness because he realized that he would soon shock the world. Jesus was able to say, do not weep in the moment of this woman's grief and pain because he knew that he was about to shock the world. The text says in verse number 13, after he says, do not weep, verse 14, then he came up and he touched the buyer. He touched the dead body. This is something that no one would do. This is something that no Jew would do. For a Jew to touch a dead body would make him unclean for seven whole days. But Jesus could not care less about this. He touched the body and he shocked the world. The text says that when he did this, the bearers stood still. And then he begins to speak to the corpse. The text says that he said... Young man, I say to you, arise. Can you imagine what everyone is thinking? 
This random man, this this man named Jesus is touching a dead body and he's speaking to this dead body. Is he crazy? No, no, he's not crazy. He's about to shock the world. Young man, I say to you, arise. And guess what happened? Verse 15. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. And when Jesus gave him to his mother, the Bible says in verse 16 that fear, fear, terror, awe seized everyone who was there. Fear seized them all and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen from among us and God has visited his people. In this moment, as this widow wept, two sons met. One son who was alive but was destined to die. And one son who was dead but was destined to live. Jesus Christ, the only son of God, approaches that son of the woman who is destined to die. He touches that dead body. He speaks to the body. The boy rises from his death. He begins to speak. And Jesus hands him to his mother. And fear seizes everyone who is there, and they begin to glorify, magnify, and laud the name of the Lord. Jesus shocked the world. And the Bible says in verse number 17 that the report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all of the surrounding country. How did this happen? This happened because the Son of Man, the suffering servant, the man of sorrows, was walking into a city. And out of all of the people in the crowd, out of all of the people who were weeping, out of all of the people who were sorrowful, out of all of the people who were upset, he saw one person. And he had compassion for that one person. And he spoke to that woman, and he shocked the world. He changed her life forever. Today is October the 20th, 2019, and we are living in a world full of people who, like this widow, are suffering in a tremendous way. Unfortunately, we are living in a world full of people who are suffering in a tremendous way. Countless women who have lost their husbands. Scores of parents who have had to bury their own children. So many people in our world who are faced with various type of illnesses. People all over the world who are sick, they're suffering, they're hungry, they're homeless. So many people in our world who are suffering in a physical way. And yes, As individual Christians, we have a responsibility to help those who are suffering in a physical way. But friends, our greatest responsibility as children of God is to help those who are suffering in a spiritual way. And we are surrounded by a world that is plagued in sin. 
We are surrounded by a world full of people who are suffering spiritually, full of people who have denounced the Lord, full of people who have rebelled against the Lord, full of people who do not confess Jesus as Lord, full of people who have denied the faith. They are walking and they are tiptoeing in the realm of darkness without a Savior. This is the world that we are living in. People who are dropping like flies every single day because they are without God, suffering spiritually. And so, if we are people who are going to call ourselves Christians, if we are people who have been called to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and if we are people who have been called to love our neighbors as ourselves, then we're not going to go through life and passively ignore those in our world who are suffering spiritually. As Jesus did in Luke chapter 7, when we see people in this world who are suffering spiritually, we must open up our eyes and look at them. There are people all around us who are suffering spiritually. We must see them. Look at them. There are 151,000 people in this world who die every single day. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 13, that broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter by it. What Jesus is saying is, of those 151,000 people in this world who die every single day, most of them will go to hell. That's the stark reality. Most people in this world who die will end up in hell. And so, before they get there, may we see them. May we open up our eyes and see that cashier at the grocery store who has a bad attitude. See that that, that girl who is dressed immodestly. See your classmate who is asking these questions and challenged by their faith. See the the, the neighbor who sleeps in on Sundays. See your coworker who uses bad language. If we expect to change the lives of those who are suffering in a spiritual way, then we must open up our eyes and see them. They are all around us. But it takes more than simply seeing Like Jesus, we must sympathize with them. We must be so moved with grief, so touched, so so full of emotion as we think about their spiritual state. The longer they live without Christ, each and every day that goes by that they have not put on Christ, they're doing more and more and more damage to their soul. There's this internal conflict that has waged war inside of them, and they are losing. That should bother us. That should upset us. We should be concerned about their spiritual state. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul rebukes the church in Corinth for tolerating a man who was living in sin. Not only were they tolerating this man, they were boasting in this. Paul says you shouldn't be boasting in this. You should grieve. You should mourn. You should be upset. You should put this man out of the church so that he will come to his senses and be spared on the day of judgment. Have so much love. Have so much compassion. Have so much sympathy for this man who is living in sin that you do whatever it takes to save his soul. That's the type of attitude that we have to have. So much love. So much care. So much compassion 
so much sympathy for our fellow man in this world who is suffering spiritually that we do whatever it takes to save their souls. And the greatest thing that we can do is speak the word of God. Jesus spoke to that woman back in Luke chapter 7 when she was suffering spiritually. And as we see those in our world who are suffering spiritually, when we sympathize with them, it takes more than simply looking at them. It takes more than simply feeling sorry for them. But we must speak to them. Talk to them about judgment. Talk to them about condemnation. And talk to them about hope that comes through Jesus Christ. We're living in a world full of people that say, you you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me how to live my life. It's my body. I can do whatever I want to. Don't judge me. That's what our world says. But friends, we shouldn't care less about what our world thinks or feels. We should be most concerned about what God thinks and what God feels. Many years ago, the Apostle Paul told the young evangelist Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 3, That he's going to live in a world full of people who can't endure sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they gather on themselves a great number of teachers to tell them what their itching ears want to hear. They can't endure the Word of God. They can't endure truth. They can't endure sound doctrine. This is the type of world that we are living in. But we must do as Paul charged Timothy and preach the Word. And I know it sounds like every time I get up here, I'm talking about preaching the word and how we need to go out and teach the laws and how we need to be more evangelist. That's the mission. That's what God called all of us to do. All of us must be busy preaching the word of God. And I'll say it today, I'll say it tomorrow, and I'll say it forever. Because that's God's charge for all of his children. We must be busy in the kingdom of God. As Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 9, filling this world with the knowledge of the Lord. This world cannot know that they are lost in sin. They cannot know about the hope that rests in Jesus Christ if we, God's children, are not filling this world with the knowledge of God. And it is not simply the minister's responsibility to do it. It's not just the elder's responsibility. It's not just the Bible class teacher's responsibility. It is all of our responsibilities to go out and to preach and teach this word. This word, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, that is the power of God unto salvation. This word, Acts 2.37, that is able to prick and pierce the hearts of men. This word, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, that is living, that is active, that is sharper than any two-edged sword, that pierces to the soul, the spirit, joints, and of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. This word that is able to inspire people to cry out, what shall I do to be saved? Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. And this word that moves people to cry out, look, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Acts chapter 8 and verse 36. God needs all of us to go out and preach and teach this word that is able to change the hearts and lives of men and is ultimately able to shock the world. When we go out into the world and preach the word of God, we will shock the world because it is a very shocking message. It's a message about a God, a great God, an awesome God who loved me so much. 
He loved me so much that he put me in this world. He put me in this world, and despite all of my sins, despite all of my shortcomings, despite all of the horrible, awful, sinful, ungodly things that I have done, he sent his only begotten son from the glories of heaven to come here from 42 generations to strip himself of flesh of of glory. He stripped himself of glory, and he clothed himself with flesh and blood to become a suffering servant, a suffering servant who went about doing good. He went about teaching and preaching the gospel. He went about healing the sick. He went about casting out demons. He went about causing the blind to see. He went about doing all of these incredible things that no one had ever seen or heard before. But despite all of the good that he did, he was despised and rejected by men. He was despised and rejected by his closest companions. He was led away. He was tried. He was blindfolded. He was spit at. He was beaten. He was scourged. And he was ultimately crucified and killed for sins that were not his own. But what makes this message so shocking is, though he lived as a man, though he died as a man, he was raised as king of kings and lord of lords with all power in his hands, with the keys of death and hell at his hands, and with the whole wide world in his hands, bringing salvation down from heaven to all men, red, yellow, black, and white, rich, poor, educated, and uneducated, those who live in this part of the world, those who live in that part of the world. God loved us so much that he sent his son to this earth to suffer and to die and to rise so that all of us could have life. This, this is a very extremely shocking message. And when all of God's children every single day pick themselves up and go about seeing those in this world who are suffering, sympathizing with them, speaking this shocking message, every single day, more and more and more people will lay down their sinful, selfish pride and take up their cross and follow the Lord who suffered and died. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, oh, what a wonderful opportunity to become one. You become a Christian, a child of God, by responding to that shocking message. You respond to the message of Jesus. You believe that he is truly the Son of God. You repent and turn away from your sins. You confess the name of Jesus, and you have your sins completely washed away in baptism. If you've done that before, but you've made mistakes and you've fallen away, and you would like to make things right this morning, or if you have any other spiritual need that we can help you with, please come to the front while we stand and sing the song of invitation.